0: Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can be the benefactors of the grace of God, undeserved, sinners as we are, we are thankful. Lord, help us to come before you this morning with hearts that are grateful and hearts that are attentive and minds that are attentive to your word today. Lord, I ask that you would do a work in each of our hearts and minds today through the work of your Holy Spirit, revealing your truth to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever come to a point in your life when you were thoroughly disgusted with yourself? Because you couldn't seem to do the things you wanted to do. You couldn't seem to quit doing the things that you didn't want to do. And you couldn't seem to accomplish the things that you wanted to accomplish for Christ with your own life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever come to a point in your life where you, you're just like, Dock Gun, why can't I just get rid of this? Why can't I start doing the things that I'm supposed to do? Why can't I stop doing the things that I know I shouldn't be doing? Why can't I stop thinking those things. Why can't I stop saying those things? Why can't I stop mistreating my family? Why can't I stop fill in the blank? Right? Have you been there? Aren't there times when our desire to live holy lives results in attempts that focus on? And here's I think where the problem lies. At times, our 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 focus is on man-made rules and regulations. Instead of having our focus on Christ, our example, there are times when the emphasis is placed on externals. Sometimes we do that to ourselves. We put the emphasis on the externals. Sometimes people do that for us. And they try to kind of play the Holy Spirit and say, you do that? You do that? Hmm. Right? Right? Sometimes that's us, isn't it? There are times when the emphasis is placed on externals while the heart is the heart is overlooked the heart the attitude of our heart the condition of our spiritual hearts is overlooked and neglected. You're not alone. Charles Spurgeon shared how he faced this struggle in his own life by saying this, he said, "I have found in my own spiritual life, that the more rules I lay down for myself, the more sins I commit. The habit of regular morning and evening prayer is one which is indispensable to a believer's life. I agree, we need to pray, right? But, he says, the prescribing of the length of prayer and the constrained remembrance of so many persons and subjects may gender unto bondage and strangle prayer rather than assist it. I think that's a great illustration. We could say, you've got to pray an hour every day, and you've got to do it first thing in the morning. And the constraint of that rule on our lives might keep us feeling defeated if we hardly ever pray in the morning for an hour, right? Or listen to this dialogue. I am in earnest about forsaking the world and following Christ. Sounds good so far, right? But I am puzzled about worldly things. What is it I must forsake? A young man asks. He says, I know. Here's what I must forsake. Colored clothing. Colored clothing. Stop wearing colored clothes. Get rid of everything in your wardrobe that's not white. I'd be in big trouble if my wardrobe was only white. He says, stop sleeping on a soft pillow. Sell your musical instruments and don't eat any more white bread. Into that I say amen. The white bread part. He says, you cannot, if you are sincere about obeying Christ, take warm baths or shave your beard. To shave is to lie against him who created us, to attempt to improve on his work. Wow. Elizabeth Elliot comments on this by saying, does this answer sound absurd? And we sit here and chuckle and go, hmm, that's kind of funny. We're all wearing some color here, right? And some of us shave, right? She says, does this answer sound absurd? It's the answer given in the most celebrated Christian schools of the second century. Is it possible that the rules that have been adopted by many 20th century Christians will sound as absurd to earnest followers of Christ a few years hence? It's interesting to me that the monks enter monasteries to escape sin. And yet they find as they are in the monastery they cannot escape sin because it comes with them in their hearts. Maybe you've fallen into the same type of trap at times in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you've started building a checklist and you say to yourself, this, (laughs) this list If I just do these things, if I can just check this list every day that I've done these things and I haven't done those things, if I can just stick to my list of do's and don'ts, certainly I'll be holy. And yet, I talk to people, and you do too, who say, Man, I just can't seem to get rid of the, some of these things in my life. As we come to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 this morning, I want you to turn there with me, Colossians chapter 2. We find that Paul sounds a warning to the Colossian believers about just this sort of problem. He tells them not to let anyone pass judgment on them when it comes to man-made religion. He warns them not to let anyone disqualify them by insisting on practices that aren't sound. Let's look at the scriptures together. Colossians chapter 2, begin with me in verse 16 and we'll read through verse 23. Here is Paul's warning to the Colossian church. And this is the warning to God's church today. We need this today as much as the Colossian believers needed it then. Verse 16, follow with me. Therefore... These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. I want you to notice in verse 23 how self-made religion And asceticism are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Here's why we struggle. Our man-made rules, our man-made religion are of no use in stopping the flesh. The New Living Translation words it this way. It's of no use in overcoming evil desires. Your man-made rules and man-made religion are of no use in overcoming your evil desires. If you have the NIV, you'll see that it translates it. It's of no value in restraining sensual indulgence. It's the fleshly indulgences that control us if we let them. It's the evil desires that rule our lives if we let them. And you say, so how do we not let them? The answer is right here in the scriptures this morning. What is the key to true spirituality? What keeps us from indulging our flesh? How can we be more like Christ? How can we be holy as he is holy? And what gives us the victory over our sinful nature? Is the answer to depend on a list of man-made rules and regulations? Well, we see in the scriptures today that no, that's not the answer. Will that achieve the desired result? No, that won't achieve the desired results. Do we take our cues from others? Sometimes we do that, don't we? We watch and we go, you know they they you know maybe if I do the things they don't do if I kind of get beside them and figure out what their list is, you know, if I just do the things that are on their list and don't do the things that are don'ts on their don't list. Do we watch others? Do we take our cues from others that we consider to be godly and follow their prescribed regimen of holiness? Don't get me wrong, we ought to be an example for one another. And we ought to follow the godly examples of others, but do we do we attach ourselves to some other godly figurehead and say, Whatever he says is what I do. Or maybe we're depending on our own efforts. Let me ask you this question that I think will help focus our thinking on these matters. Here's the question. Who are you more concerned with impressing? Who are you out to impress? Are you out to impress others? with your external show of righteousness? Or do you understand that that God is the one you need to please? God is the one that sees your heart. Have you learned that your own efforts, apart from the in-working presence of, of Christ, are completely worthless? You realize you can't be holy in and of yourself? Do you understand that observing certain rituals and rules and certain spiritual, you know, man-made religious rules doesn't make you holy in God's eyes? It might make you holy in people's eyes, but not in God's eyes. We need to be reminded as we seek to live holy lives that growth, and here's the key. Growth is from God. Growth is from God. You can't fabricate it yourself. You can't make it up yourself. You can't make yourself be holy. You can't make yourself grow up in Christ. We are nourished and we are knit together when we, as the scripture that we're looking at this morning tells us, when we hold fast to the head, Jesus Christ. There is a stark contrast. That's the truth of verse 19. And there is a stark contrast here between the shadow and the substance. A huge difference. There is a contrast that we see here between holding on to human teachings over holding fast to the head Jesus Christ. And as we look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 16-23 through 23 this morning, I want to consider the types of things that we should not be holding fast to. And consider what we should be holding fast to, instead of holding fast to the head, which is Jesus Christ. In verse 16, Paul tells the Colossian believers not to let anyone, don't let anyone judge you over questions of food and drink. Or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. That's the same thought expressed in Romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 4 regarding food. Just listen to this from Romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 4. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. That's an issue of food, isn't it? In addition to food, Paul tells the Colossian believers not to let anyone judge them in regard to festivals or special days. And then Warren Wearsby says about this the warning exposes, this warning exposes the danger of the legalism of the Gnostic teachers in Colossae. He says their doctrines were a strange mixture of Oriental mysticism, Jewish legalism, and a smattering of philosophy and Christian teaching. Apparently, the Jewish legalism played a very important role. And I'm just here to tell you this morning that we aren't bound by this kind of legalism. But there is someone we are to be bound to. As we studied last week, as we studied In the scriptures here in Colossians chapter 2, in our last study, we learned how the death of Christ on the cross freed us from the law. We are not to be bound by the powers of this world. We're not to be bound by the demonic powers at work in this world. We're to be bound to someone else, we're to be captive to Christ. Back in verse 14 in chapter 2, look at it with me, Colossians 2, verse 14. We saw this last week, by canceling, it says, by canceling the record of debt, paid in full, right? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Yet, here are these false teachers laying demands on others that are merely, as verse 17 calls them, a a shadow of things to come. Shadow. What's a shadow? It's nothing. Catch one, will you, and bring it to me. He says these are a shadow of things to come. These are nothing. Don't waste your time with those things. And Paul continues to sound the warning in verse 18. Look at it again. Verse 18. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. See, don't let anybody disqualify you, says Paul. Don't let anyone insist on asceticism. That asceticism is false humility. Don't let anybody disqualify you with false humility or self-abasement in other translations. And he says an angel worship. When I think about false humility, I think about the little restaurant in Oregon they call the worst food in Oregon. The worst food in Oregon. It's a restaurant where they say that they have the worst food and the worst service in Oregon. And actually the restaurant from what I read, usually is actually serves really good food and has really good service. And uh, diners are served, you know, huge portions of food that they couldn't possibly all finish, you know, in one sitting. Or probably shouldn't finish in one sitting, right? The name is just a gimmick, you know? It was the idea of the owner who, when tempted to call his food the best in Oregon, thought, no, wait, a little false humility will do. We'll call it the worst. And it seems to have worked. His strategy is pretty pretty profitable customers who come the first time out of curiosity tend to come back again and again and sometimes people even ask the chef what he recommends and he says I recommend you take your money elsewhere go down the road to some place else and people stay and eat anyway you see self-denial can be merely a cover up for self-promotion that's asceticism here's the danger it's possible for those who appear to be humble to actually be very proud about their humility. I've got a list. You want to see my list? Right? Notice the words puffed up in verse 18. These false teachers were were puffed up and prideful. And I have to say, whoa, here. (laughs) Because maybe... As you look at your life, and I look at mine, we realize, you know what? I think I've been here before. This is describing me. Maybe you've been there yourself, puffed up with a little false humility. Maybe you've been there yourself. Maybe there was a time when you were quite impressed with your list-keeping and you could do anything else as long as you didn't do the things on your list, or you did do the things that were dues, you know. All the while, looking down on those who are less spiritual. The problem with man made rules and regulations is that they lead to pride. The problem with man-made rules and regulations is that we become overly impressed with how spiritual we are. Another problem Paul warns against in the in, in the scriptures here is the worship of angels. And I want you to just listen to the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 4 verse 10 when he says to Satan, "Be gone Satan, for it is written You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Worship of angels? I think not. Worship of people? Uh Uh-uh. Worship of demons? I think not. You see, Scripture is very clear that God, and God alone, is worthy of our worship. We aren't to worship anyone or anything else. What we do need to do is hold fast to the head. Worship Christ. Hold fast to the head. Look at verse 19 again. Here's why we need to hold fast to Christ and none other. Verse 19 says, and not holding fast to the head. He says, watch out for these things that tend to make you not hold fast to the head from whom, here's why we need to be holding fast to the head Jesus Christ, because it's from Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together, through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. There's your answer. About overcoming your fleshly desires and your sinfulness and those things that you want to rid yourself of that are displeasing to God, the growth comes from God. Stay attached to the head. You see, as we hold fast to the head, we're nourished and we're knit together. We grow, and our growth is from God. And we need to concentrate on Christ for this kind of growth. We need to get our eyes off of man-made rules and rituals and get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and get our eyes on his word. It's when we hold fast to him that we are nourished and knit together and growing. You see, without the head, um, let me tell you that without the head, there's no life in the body, all right? I was thinking about this this week, and this is not really something to be made light of, but we could do without an arm, right? Not that we want to. We could do without a leg. There are people who go through life without an arm, without a leg, some without arms and legs, some without, you know. We could go through life without eyes, without ears. Try going through life without your head. It's not going to happen, is it? You see, as the body of Christ in this world today, the church has got to be attached to the head, Jesus Christ. And the problem in America today is that there are so many churches and so many Christians who are going through life headless. Cling to the head. Stay attached to Christ. Stay attached to His Word, His instruction manual, so to speak. You see, without the head, there's no life in the body. Don't be concerned with others' opinions of your spirituality. That's hard. Trust me, if you don't know that, I'll tell you, that's hard. But don't be concerned with others' opinion of your level of spirituality concentrate on Christ hold fast to the head and as you are connected to him you will be you will be nourished and you will grow up in Christ you will be growing up and you will be experiencing true spiritual health and growth don't get caught up with legalism don't cling to rules and regulations that you believe are going to make you spiritual Don't get caught up with mystical experiences like the worship of angels, thinking that 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 will make you more spiritual. Hold fast to the head. Stay connected to Christ. Look again at verse 20. Paul's challenge, again, in verses 20 through 23. Follow along. Verse 20. If with Christ you, you died to the elemental spirits of the world, Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Like, you know, don't handle, don't touch, don't taste. Those things, verse 22, those things are referring to things that that all perish as they are used. And note that those things are all, these things are according to human precepts and teachings. What's the problem with human precepts and teachings? They're prone to error, aren't they? Because they're man made, they're imperfect. All you got to do is watch us worship, right? And read the bulletin, and you'll find out that we're imperfect, right? Some of you this morning came and said, Look, you got some names mixed up in a bulletin. I was like, Oh, so sorry. <laughs> but we're human beings, aren't we? Watch out for man made rules, right? here's paul's emphasis these have indeed an appearance of wisdom verse 23 in promoting self-made religion these sound good these look pretty good and asceticism and severity to the body now i believe in you know exercise i'd like to do more of it you know i'm not like the fellow who said I, he wanted to you know he wanted to die sick i believe in you know Stand healthy. But, but the severity of the body, that's not going to make you more spiritual. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul's emphasis, self-made religion and severe treatment of the body are of no value in stopping your sinful nature. You need to be connected to the head, Jesus Christ. So hold fast to the head. You want to grow spiritually and be more like Christ? Don't rely on your own efforts and rules imposed on you by others. Hold fast to Christ. And you will be nourished and you will experience the growth that comes only from God. See, there were others that we see in the New Testament who struggled with things like this. The Pharisees, right? You know the Pharisees. Jesus had his times of confrontation with the Pharisees. And he challenged them over their legalism. You know, they were controlled by their legalism. Former president of Moody Bible Institute, Joel Stoll, writes of the legalism of the Pharisees in his book, Fan the Flame. He says, in contrast to the two commands of Christ, two commands of Christ, the Pharisees have developed they had developed a system of 613 laws 365 negative commands 248 positive laws by the time christ came it had produced a heartless cold and arrogant brand of righteousness as such it contained at least 10 tragic flaws and here in here these 10 tragic flaws apply to our lists you know when we tend to keep them and expect others to keep our lists, you know. Here, he's talk, talking about the fears. He said, 10 tragic flaws. Number one, new laws continually need to be invented for new situations. You ever find that to be true in your own life? It's like, oh, what do I do about this thing? New, new rule. Number two, accountability to God is replaced by accountability to men. Number three, it reduces a person's ability to personally discern. And let's understand here that the believer in Jesus Christ is responsible to discern for himself from what he understands from God's Word, because you're supposed to be in God's Word, right? You see, I don't put any premium on ignorance, and neither does God. God wants you to be in His Word, and He wants you to know His Word. Number three, as Joe Stolz says, it reduces a person's ability to personally discern. If you don't know God's Word, you're going to be able to discern error. Number four, it creates a judgmental spirit. Number five, the Pharisees confused personal preferences with divine law. There's a place for personal preferences. There's a place for personal convictions. Note the word personal, right? Number six, it produces inconsistencies. Number seven, it created a false standard of righteousness. Number eight, it became a burden to the Jews. Number nine, it was strictly external. You see, it's issues of the heart that matter most to God. Because out of the heart flow the wellspring of life. Out of the heart is how you live. Number ten. It was rejected by Christ. It was rejected by Christ. I want you to remember this morning what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, when he says, And let the peace of God be. Let the peace of Christ, pardon me, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ, the head, rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Or in the Kevin Pierpont paraphrase, Be satisfied with Christ. Be satisfied with Christ. Be thankful. Reject the external. Put on Christ. Pray with me. Precious, holy, righteous, perfect, sinless, heavenly Father, We're a people who come before you who are none of those things without Christ. And so, Lord, we come in prayer, asking this morning that you would help us to be imitators of God as beloved children. Lord, as our earthly children mimic us, help us to mimic Christ. Help us to be imitators of God. Lord, I pray, help us to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, the most fragrant offering and sacrifice to God ever. Lord, help us to stay connected to and hold fast to Jesus Christ, the head. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.